Today we're going to focus in on education of physicians and, and really of the primary care physicians, the largest specialty of physicians in the United States. You're listening to ReachMD Radio, and this is Lawrence Sherman. Welcome to Lifelong Learning. I'm so pleased to be here for another great year at the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions Annual Conference. Joining me here at the ReachMD Mobile Studio is Dr. Mindy McKenna, Director, Division of Continuing Medical Education at the American Academy of Family Physicians. Hello. Hey, Mindy. Hey, Mindy, it's nice to see you. You too. It's always fun to talk with you. Thank you, Lawrence. So it, it, we're, we're spending a lot of time at this meeting listening to innovation about medical education. I wonder if you want to take a few minutes and, and talk to us about what you're seeing as the trends in continuing education innovation of the primary care audience because there's a whole lot of them listening to us right now. All right, thank you, I'll be happy to. Well, one of the trends that I'm seeing is that the um, learning community, the family physicians and other members of the healthcare professional team are um, really time pressed, of course, and um, wanting to make sure that they use their resources, including their own time and energy, for maximum impact. So a lot of the educational uh, interactions and experiences are more focused. They are more targeted toward addressing learning needs and practice gaps that really do have measurably important outcomes, either for their practice performance, their efficiency, and their effectiveness in serving patients, or for the healthcare patient outcomes themselves. You probably have the opportunity to hear a lot from a lot more physicians than many educators do. I do. Uh, what type of information, what type of questions, what type of barriers are, are you hearing from the people that are our listeners about getting the right education to impact patient care? One of the questions that we get a lot is, how do I keep up with all of the different expectations on me as a physician? There are so many different entities that have some sort of oversight or influence on a family physician or any healthcare professional. And so harmonizing all of those requirements and tracking them and reporting them becomes really important. For example, every physician, of course, has a state license and many of them practice in multiple states. And then they, um, most family physicians, the vast majority of family physicians are maintaining their board certification through the American Board of Family Medicine. So they have requirements to keep up for maintenance of licensure, maintenance certification. Then, of course, there are all the government requirements for meaningful use and PQRS. So reconciling all of that with continuing medical education and continuing professional development is a bit daunting. And what we try to do with the American Academy of Family Physicians is help harmonize those requirements and criteria and find the synergies and then also to help each individual physician really target, okay, so what do I need to focus on now for my practice and my patients and my professional advance it. It's funny, you know, when I think about it, and I mentioned this to someone earlier, uh, you know, continuing medical education has turned into those letters in alphabet soup that used to keep coming up, right? The letters, you never spell your name, right? right? But you could always get CME, CPD, MOL, MOC, PI, QI. So now I know that I was getting messages from beyond in my <laughs> alphabet soup about where my career should go. That's right. Absolutely. So let's let's talk a little bit about something you started to talk about, which is uh, personalized education, individualized education. Uh, what are you seeing as trends in 
what educational formats are available to our listeners so that they can better get the education that meets their personal needs? Well, first of all, each individual human being has style tendencies. Some of us are more kinesthetic learners, some more auditory, some more visual. Some people are more comfortable learning in a small group setting. Others really like a large group. And then there's also just the pragmatic life considerations. Some people are in a, in a busy practice, busy home life. They need to get away. So they want to travel and immerse themselves in a learning experience. Others need to be able to do a little bit at a time. So it's, you know, quoting Stephen King completely out of context, it's the small sips and large swallows. Beyond that, then, of course, depending on what it is that they're learning about, each different clinical scenario is going to lend itself differently. If what I want to do is keep up with this year's immunization trends, then that's probably a knowledge update. If I want to make sure that my skills are proficient in doing procedural, um, actual, you know, tactile um, procedures, then I'm going to need a hands-on workshop. So some of it is driven by the learning objective that the individual is, is wanting to accomplish. So um, it's really important that physicians are able to identify with their CME provider or whoever is facilitating their learning and their performance improvement, quality improvement in a way that can adapt to their needs right then. So, so you're really talking about active learners, you know, those, those are our listeners who are saying, I know I need and when I learn, I do. Do you have any advice for those more passive learners there so that they can still get the education that they need and help them to find it because it may not be finding them? Right. Well, you know, so there's, there's self-directed learning and then there's directed self-growth and self-awareness and, and learning. And those are really two different phenomenon. And uh, to, to quote Donald Rumsfeld, you know, it's the, the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns that really um, trip us up. So um, how that relates to the lifelong learning of a physician is that there are going to be certain areas that they target as a known gap. I lack confidence in or the science has changed or my patient panel has become different. And then there's just the um, reality check of I think I know exactly what I'm doing on behalf of my patients with diabetes or hypertension or whatever other chronic condition. And maybe they do and maybe they don't. And that's where pre-assessments come in. That's where benchmark Marking data against colleagues comes in, and um, and uh, you know balancing your learning so that you're being methodical and intentional about what you're hitting on throughout your career. You know, it's important, I think, for our listeners to consider that they really are active participants in their own education and they have a say. And I think that sometimes comes as a surprise that um, they have more options and opportunities than they may have just been presented with in their daily setting. Right. And the current um, trends now with maintenance of certification, maintenance of licensure, as they're fine-tuning their frameworks for the criteria to remain board certified and, and uh, state licensed, they talk about being practice relevant, that the learning needs to be practice relevant. And they really defer to the professional, the individual family physician or healthcare professional to know best what that means because we are self-regulated and self-directed as, as a profession. There are a few states that do have topic-specific CME requirements, um, but that's not that personalized needs-driven, gap-closure kind of mentality that, that, that you and I are trying to help facilitate. Well, it's always interesting to tell a specialty that they need some uh, grief counseling uh, a as a requirement and that's not part of what they do or, you know, telling pathologists that they need to talk better to their patients because 
that's probably not necessarily their, part of their personalized learning needs. I, I do want to congratulate you, Mindy, because you are the first person ever on the his, in the history of this program to cite both Donald Rumsfeld, uh, Rumsfeld and Stephen King <laughs> in the first five minutes of an interview. So it's really impressive. Thank you, I think. <laughs> well, no, no, that was purely a compliment. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, this is Lifelong Learning with Lawrence Sherman, and you're listening to ReachMD Radio. With me in the ReachMD mobile studio at the Alliance for Continuing Education in the Health Professions Annual Conference is Dr. Mindy McKenna from the American Academy of Family Physicians. So, Mindy, you know, we're laughing a little bit here, and we always enjoy ourselves, and I think we like being educators. Um, how can we make education and learning more fun for uh, our, our learners, the listeners of this show? Lawrence, there are more tools and more opportunities available today than ever in the history of civilization, literally and truly. It is more cost-effective now and economically feasible to embed video clips, to facilitate communities of networks and communities of shared interests through social networking sites. There are all kinds of, of tools and applications, mobile apps on smartphones and um, reminders, alerts. There are biomedical sensors that can be embedded into education. We're seeing the linkage of electronic health records with lifelong learning plans of individual physicians, with the um, linkage with quality initiatives throughout an institution, a, a clinic or hospital. So there, there are more tools available ever than ever before to make learning fun. You know, it's interesting. Um, there's a lot of buzz out there in the rest of the world, not our enclosed CME world, about wearable tech right and quantified self i'm about to coin a phrase and i want to hear your your thoughts on it wearable ed right so where does educational need come up most often it comes up at the point of care mm -hmm. right absolutely maybe some of these tools and tricks can come up in devices that these folks are wearing or carrying with them you know i say that in jest because we know point of care need leads to point of care education what, are you doing anything in that area at AAFP, and, and have you seen other things where point-of-care education is really facilitated? Absolutely. You know, in 2005, the American Academy of Family Physicians of the American Medical Association launched a new credit system category for uh, point-of-care CME. And it never really took off. I mean, there is, certainly it is happening still, and it's a viable, credit-worthy learning activity. What we find, though, is rather than point-of-care CME, what took off is point-of-care learning, as you said, and the searchability of um, understanding I have a clinical question, I have a complex patient condition, I'm not sure that I know everything I need to know. I'm going to go out and find it. We see that happening more and more. Unfortunately, the research would show that the vast majority of those clinical questions in practice go unanswered. So we're doing some exciting things at AAFP through our practice-based uh, research network. Uh, it's the National Research Network is, is the specific name. And they're facilitating that, that linkage between education, research, and practice. That sounds really exciting. You know, it, it's really nice to see that evolution of education and tools. So, you, you know, um, do you have uh, resources for your members and, and others to help track and learn and find their education? Uh, are you believers in checklists like Atul Gawande tells us to be? 
Absolutely. And I always appreciate the, the writings of Dr. Gawande and, and his speaking because he, he is uh, very candid and forthright in, in challenging us to move beyond where we've been and go to where we need to be. And one of the places we need to be is we really need to be focusing more our learning experiences on closing the gaps on behalf of patients. So we offer a variety of mechanisms to help people identify what are the things I need to learn, either because it's a state licensure requirement or a board certification requirement, or because my patients tell me so, or because I'm lacking confidence, or it's an area of scope of practice that I'm expanding or my um, credentialing privileging requirements are changing. And so uh, all of those different influences that would fuel the demand for learning and the need for, for uh, a felt learn then from there they say, okay, so how do I match that up with what's available in the world? Formal education, professional development, and informal learning from colleagues. So I'm going to ask you to put on a pair of forward-looking glasses. I want you... Keep, keep them on, perhaps? Well, I wear mine all the time. <laughs> I know that you do. <laughs> but if you were to look two years down the road, what do you think our listeners will be seeing in medical education and lifelong learning that they'll be able to participate in that they're not seeing now? I think that uh, as medicine and the organization of medicine in this country continues to evolve with the Accountable Care Act and uh, accountable care organizations, I think that we will see more um, rigor in the systems that are uh, facilitating constant assessment and therefore improvement in practice. So I think that it will be much more measurement oriented, more data driven, uh, closing gaps, known gaps with evidence-based performance measures and clinical practice guidelines. I think all of that will be integrated more closely with education than it is today. I think that's great. And, and so if in the last minute or so that we have, you could uh, give a couple of practical tips to our listeners about how to improve their lifelong learning. What would they be? My most practical tip would be for each individual to spend just a few moments reflecting. It doesn't take a lot of time. What is my style? What is my practice? What, is, what are the areas I lack confidence or I have some growth opportunity? And then how can I go about closing that gap for myself? Don't get overwhelmed and, and tangled in all of the complexity and all the rules and requirements and expectations. Just go back to the core of why did I go into medicine? What am I really here to do? And what can help me do that better? And, and do you think there's something that they can do today or tomorrow to, to help them do that? They can reach out to the colleagues in their practice environment, their practice setting, and of course with the American Academy of Family Physicians, we're always delighted to help family physicians or any member of their patient-centered medical home or any member of their care team identify what they'd like to learn and, and, and some resources to help them do that. And, and can they just go to your website? And, Absolutely. And, and that is? www.aafp.org. Well, Mindy, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. My pleasure, Lawrence. Thank you. This is Lawrence Sherman, and you've been listening to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD. To download this segment, go to ReachMD.com or go to the ReachMD medical radio app on your iPhone, iPod Touch, iPad, or BlackBerry smartphone. Thanks for listening.